Good morning. How are you doing? So today is a great day. We get to celebrate reality. It is so good. It is so much more than we could ever ask or imagine, isn't it? Uh, I mean, kids driving cars, how could you go wrong, right? So today uh, is, is the continuation of our reality series. And we are delving into this, this amazing proclamation from Scripture that through the power of the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the power that Jesus Christ gives us, God is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ever ask or imagine. And it does feel like sometimes the reality goggles that like she is wearing, by the way, you're not supposed to drive cars wearing those. This is a, a public service announcement for those of you who try. Uh, but um, when you put those on, you are transported to another world. And, and it feels like when you read scripture, sometimes your eyes are opened to a, a reality that you never knew existed, that no, never thought even was possible before. Or actually, maybe it's more like God takes the reality goggles that we have created off and helps us see things as they really are and not as we have conjured them up to be. You know, I forget that all the time. Yesterday, as I was locking up and walking down the stairs out here, I heard some rustling in the bushes and I thought I was going to be attacked. (laughs) But I looked up and it was a family of deer, beautiful deer. And they just stood there and looked at me. And I tried to talk to them. I thought they might come closer if I went, but they didn't, they didn't. I thought I was Dr. Doolittle for a second, but it was really magical. I I waited a few minutes before I did that. They just looked at me and thought, you're weird. Are you sticking around? (laughs) And um, gosh, it's it's so great when you're you're reminded of the reality of God's goodness, isn't it? Today, we are... uh, we are given a scripture that has been preserved. Imagine a letter that has been preserved for 2,000 years. That's how beautiful and important and wonderful it is. And it's written by a guy named Paul. What's remarkable, remarkable about this letter is that it was written while he was in prison. He, was written, he, wrote, he wrote it while he was in a jail cell. And he wrote it to a little church in Ephesus that had forgotten that, that with the power of Jesus Christ— the power that Jesus Christ gives us through the Holy Spirit, God is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ever ask or imagine. And what I love about the scripture is that Paul is in prison and he, he discovers what he can do with his life. He must have looked around and thought, well, I could do push-ups. That would be good. I don't know what that would do. Uh, uh, or I could take a pen and I could write a letter. And maybe through that, God would be able to accomplish abundantly far more than I could ever ask or imagine. Just by using the talents of writing and encouragement that I have, Paul must have been thinking. And then he just wrote this letter that we're reading today. I love, uh, did you know that Martha Stewart was in prison? Anybody remember that? Just raise your hand. Am I old? Is there only one person who remembers that? Do you remember what she did in prison? I mean, the, the good stuff? I don't know about the bad stuff, but I, all I know is that she, she decided to make marmalade. Did you hear that? She was walking around the prison yard and she found rhubarb and she started making marmalade and she used her gifts and her talents and she taught the inmates there how to make marmalade during her time there. Today's scripture is this beautiful statement from someone who has taken the few things that they have in their life and turned reality on its head for so many people who hear it. Listen to this scripture. It's from Ephesians 4, 
It's just after the scripture we read last week, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. And um, this is how it starts out. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy. Now imagine Paul on his knees begging you. I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Isn't that amazing? Because last week we considered that, that there might be this amazing reality in front of us. This, this thing that, that, that the dreams that we have for ourselves are too small, but that God has bigger dreams for us than we could ever imagine. And we have to just sometimes relinquish our own dreams. Now, Paul is begging you to live into that. And do you want to know how? This is the how. With humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. I love that unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What a beautiful image of how to move forward in life. This last week, we had an opportunity to visit the local junior high, uh, Flamson and Lewis, as a staff. Last week, we had the challenge, and we put it before you, and it's still out there if you haven't done it yet, to find one person in your life that you can just spend time with, and it might be someone new. Go find someone to just spend time with, and then see what the Holy Spirit does in and through that moment. And so the staff decided that they would volunteer as part of this real program. Reality, enrichment, and life lessons. So the junior hires were given a little bit of money at the beginning and a devastating trajectory for their life in the simulated reality. And they all became homeless and poor. But what was amazing to me is how they shared. A lot of the junior hires still kept a great attitude. They took care of each other. They created little charity piles. They walked through life together. How beautiful it is to see when, when people come together during the difficult times in life. Now, you may be in one of those difficult times in your life, like Paul was in prison. Or you may feel like that you, have, uh, you, you can't see the victory that is before you. Now, this last week, I can't think of a better analogy or example of, of a moment when people must have been really really wondering if a victory could come about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody take a guess? The Super Bowl. The Patriots, if you didn't watch it, and a lot of people didn't watch the end. Who didn't watch the end? I'm just curious. Who walked away? A lot of people turned it off, right? (laughs) Okay, the Patriots were down by 23 points, which was historic in the third quarter. They were down by a huge amount of points. The deficit was unbelievable. And I'll bet in the third quarter, the Patriots were thinking to themselves, this is the worst day of our life. This is going to be the worst day of our life. I can't imagine why we would ever end up in this place. What a horrible reality. I wish things weren't working out like this, right? Little did they know that God was providing for them a grand setup to have the greatest comeback in all of Super Bowl history. I'm not exaggerating this. And then to have the only overtime in all of Super Bowl history. To have that legendary win. Maybe God has placed you in a place in your life where, where, where you can't see past the third quarter, but you're in that moment and you don't know if, if what is possible, but there's this thing called hope that's in front of you. And it's the hope of Jesus Christ and it's that thing. Maybe you heard it on Sunday from a pastor or from a friend that says, did you hear that God can do abundantly far more than you could ever ask or imagine? <laughs> and it's in there, it's circulating in your mind and you're thinking, I'm in prison. I can't do anything with this. I'm in the third quarter. I'm down by 23 points. What's going on? 
But what I also love is that Paul mentions that it's not just, okay, by the way, this is important. Teams that are down by 23 points in the third quarter suddenly become really humble, right? If they don't, they keep losing. If they do, occasionally they're able to pull off a win. A lot of teams that are ahead by 23 points in the third quarter, guess what? What are they? Are they humble? They're self-confident, overconfident, and as a result, they oftentimes lose. Paul says, first, humility, if you're going to move forward with this great big thing that's in front of you that seems impossible, but only God can make it happen. And then gentleness, and then patience. Boy, we need a lot of that. Do you think Paul needed that in prison? And then we need this bearing with one another in love, this unity, this team spirit. It's going to get us across the finish line. It's going to get us to the touchdown. And then maintaining the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. Now, this is interesting. In this room, there are so many personalities and so many different ideas uh, and so many different political perspectives and so many theories, right? I mean, if you got them all together, you'd say, boy, that's a mess, And I love telling myself, you know what? I don't know why, if without Jesus Christ, there is no chance. I can't imagine a chance that this group of misfits would ever be in a room together. Can you imagine that? This, this group of miscreants. You're like, take it easy, buddy. But, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like, these are people that you're sitting next to. You're going to, and if you stick around, they will become your brothers and sisters. I have seen people here that, that, Already, I've just known you for a short time, and you are family. And I've met some of you and for years, and it's like family. But without Jesus Christ, without that commonality that we have, we would be strangers passing each other at the store. We would be just driving by each other, and we wouldn't even recognize each other. Can you imagine that reality that exists, sadly, for so many people? never experiencing the depth of community that is created by Jesus. Now, with all of the different theories and postulates and ideas and political perspectives that were taking place in the Ephesian church, Paul wanted them to know that that Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. So listen to the way he says it. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling— Hear that word hope out in front of there again? One Lord. Actually, I'd like you to say this with me because, and I want to tell you why. Because this is an old creed of the church. Isn't it beautiful to think that 2,000 years ago, people were saying this as a community? Uh, Like Ben was singing, I got an old church choir singing in my soul. And I'm like, how old are those people singing in my soul? Um, You weren't thinking that? You were thinking, oh, okay, sorry. That was a joke. It was kind of dumb, sorry. Okay. But, but can you imagine the chorus of voices of thousands and thousands of years of people who have said this same creed together, the same statement of faith? Before we read it together, I'd just like you to read it on your own. Just take a second and just read it because I don't want you to say it if you haven't read it and you're not thinking it through. You can just listen if you're not ready. Okay. Let's start with one Lord. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. When we moved here, 
two weeks ago with our moving van. We had 10 people or maybe 12 people or a few more show up at our new house and help us unload the van. And it took one hour. And 40 minutes later, every bed and every crib and every trampoline and every swing set was put together. Now, if that can happen with 10 people who have a common vision and a common mission, who have, we're just expressing love together, what could happen if every single one of us was activated? With, and these were, not, these were not bodybuilders that were showing up. I was so humbled that these people were carrying boxes. They were just doing what they could. Each person, just like Paul in his prison with, with a pen, just doing what he could. And he thought, I just, have, I think I have the gift of encouragement. I think I can, I love these people so much. I just want to share with them the vision that, that I feel God is speaking into their life, that they can be more than they ever thought was possible with their life. And so he, I just love that moment when he started writing that letter. Remember last week we said, faith is so much better than imagination. Isn't that a beautiful moment? I would have loved to just, I think we're there in that moment. Can't you see it? It's beautiful. Then Paul says this, but each of us is given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. This thing called grace, it means that, you know, the junior hires last week, they did this, this last week. You saw them get this little plan of their life and how bad things turned out. And then the point of it was to show that, that things turn out good. Now, Paul his life was, was a disaster. If these middle schoolers had gotten that life plan, they would have said, this is awful. I don't want my life to turn out like this. And honestly, all, all of our lives have these, these times when we turn our back on God, when we walk down the wrong path, especially in our hearts that just so painful. But the grace tells us that God just loves you. He's just gonna love you more. And, and then he's gonna keep loving you and then he'll love you more. And then, and then you'll still do something wrong and he'll just love you more than that. And it'll just keep piling it on. And by the way, if you are not aware of God's goodness in your life today and you feel like the, the message hasn't reached you, the song hasn't reached you, the laughter of the people next to you, the cool food and the, the bacon skewers <laughs> are not proclaiming the love of Jesus to your heart, what are we talking about I sound like Chris Farley there. We are by a river. There's no van. <laughs> right? But that's what the world is telling you. Like, if you don't do, <laughs> if you don't shape, you'll see this skit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It'll make your day. But that could bring you closer to God looking at a Chris Farley sketch. Or just take a walk down that path. Please don't get in your car without, without letting God speak to you in some way. Please don't just walk out and say, I'm dry. I don't feel like anything reached me today. There's a beautiful path there. Just let God speak to you through the beauty of the world around you. God loves you. Every time you see those little plants that are sprouting up from the rain that's been around, just say, God loves me. And maybe you'll see some little, little the hoof marks where the deer had been, been walking down the trail and just think, God loves me more than that. Don't leave without hearing that message today because that is so important. We don't ever want to be a church that doesn't speak the truth in love. Boy, is that such a key. Now listen to what Paul, when Paul's writing this, he starts to think of this Old Testament verse, right? And the Old Testament verse is this. He says, therefore it is said, he who ascended, when he ascended, 
on high. He made captivity itself a captive, and he gave gifts to its people. Now, I love this concept of him making captivity itself a captive. Think about Paul, who's in a prison. And he's recognizing that he's actually one of the most free people in the whole entire world. That he is more free than the people in Ephesus who are sitting there with an abundant of talent, abundant of opportunity, and abundant of options, and they're doing absolutely nothing with it. But he is the one who's free. See, Christ is the one who can take the captivity of wherever you're at, the captivity of anything that you're dealing with, and he can turn it right on its head, and he can use it as a means to bring about glory and peace and joy and love and hope and abundance in the life of another human being. So then, then Paul goes on to say these words. He says, but the gifts that he gave to his people are, actually, it's here. Oh, did I read this already or no? Okay, it says, when he ascended, Paul says, when it, when it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens. This is a theological point that Jesus ascended into heaven so that he might fill all things and gave by by being crucified and resurrected and ascending into heaven, Jesus has then given us, given us his goodness, his glory through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he might fill all things. Some things? No, all things. Now listen to what it says. It says, but the gifts that he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, I don't want to read any further. I just want to point out, he's giving a list of these gifts that God has given, right? So they're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, accountants, dreamers, people who have a critical eye, people who are good listeners, people who are really patient, Someone who cares for plants and is able to show God's glory through a garden. Someone who is able to cook over here in the cafe and make bacon skewers. I love that. Someone sitting there. All I've got is a pack of bacon, but I could bring glory to God through that bacon (laughs) and bring it to church on Sunday, (laughs) right? What have you got? What's your talent? What's your skill? What's the gift? What's the ability that you can use to bring glory to God in a profound and amazing way? Look around your jail cell. Look around, your, look around you in the third quarter of wherever you're at in the game of life. And then it says this. This is really important. See where it says to equip? This is, so you get all of these gifts, whatever they are, for one purpose, to equip others, to equip other people. So actually, whenever you receive a job of ministry in the church, your job is actually not to keep it. It's actually to train another person to do the next job. Your job is to hand that job off to another person and to train them. Because the goal is not the job. The goal is health. It's to to nurse other people into health and to see them thrive and have the experience of working together in community and being a part of what we're doing. See, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. That's why we say Highlands Church is where the journey begins. But then it says the purpose is this is not just so so the job is to equip the saints for the goal of the, for the work of the ministry for this is the purpose for the building up of the body of Christ. How beautiful is that? The 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 whole purpose of this church is to to build others up. To build them up and to lift them up. And the scripture continues 
until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. So, so Paul is saying we do have different ideas. We do have different theories. We do have different postulates, different personalities. But really, there is only one God, one Father, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. There is one spirit and one body. And all of us start out with this conception of who God is. And I remember my dad is a pastor. And when I was like 20, 24 years old, I was coming home and I started, started really jumping in and figuring out who God was in my life. And I remember every day I would come home and I would say, Dad, I've got a new idea who, of who God is. <laughs> he was so patient with me. <laughs> he just listened. I think he was just so excited that I was, I was starting to discover God in my life. That's what Paul is saying. Just go out, just start to discover who God is, but understand that there's one God and there's one Father and there's one Jesus Christ and there's one Spirit. There's not a lot of gods who's created this universe. There's one God. And that all of us, our goal is to have this growth. We're going to grow together until we have this unity of the Spirit, unity of the faith, until we have maturity. And, and one staff member said this week, you know, this full stature of Jesus Christ is not something we can ever attain. That's right. That's wonderful because that means our job is never done. We continue to look more and more like Jesus Christ every single day of our life. Now, then the scripture continues and it says, I love Paul. He says, uh, you got to grow up, <laughs> right? It's time to grow up and which is easier said than done, by the way. It's so much easier to say grow up. But listen, he says, we must, no, we must no longer be children. If it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, he'd be saying, you must no longer be babies, all right? But <laughs> we must no longer be children. How beautiful is this? Tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine. Coming home every single day and saying, I've got a new idea about who God is. There's a point. This is, this is heading in a direction. And, and Paul is saying that there are people who are trying to trip us up. There's actually people who are, who are like, I think it would be really fun to see someone confused, to see someone baffled and not know what's really going on with this world. And so they're tricking you. And there's other people who have this craftiness in their deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, and this is the most important part, speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head. If you ever see someone and you see an incongruity in their life, a place where you think that they can grow, please don't say anything unless you love them. Don't, don't go up to someone and say, I just feel like you, you've got it all wrong unless you plan on walking that path with them for the long haul, not for a minute. I'm talking about real love, the kind we talked about last week where you're spending time with a human being and you care about them and you're willing to ask them how they're doing and what God has been doing in their life. Speaking the truth in love is everything. And then it says, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And it goes on to say, from whom the whole body, imagine this image of Jesus as the head and the whole body with all your talents and, and your gifts is joined together and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly 
promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. You know, the brain is an amazing thing. It, it makes all of the limbs move. It makes all of the, it animates everything that we do. And so if Jesus Christ is the head and you are a member or a part of the body, a specific part, this beautiful vision is that Jesus Christ would, would that the love, the power of love would motivate everything you do. That every gesture, every movement, every walk, every motion of your lips would, would become an expression of who Jesus Christ is. And that we would do it together as a body, as one family. Now, a few years ago, my uncle Reynolds, who was one of my heroes, was diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Do you remember the ice bucket challenge? We were doing that with the hope of a cure. I remember him in the third quarter of his, li- his life and down a big deficit, just praying for a cure. Just praying for that people would come together, right? There's just, just, if enough people came together and enough people cared and enough people decided to make a difference, that the whole world would change. And it really did. So much progress was made because of the awareness and then the funds that were raised. One guy who's been suffering from it for a long time is a guy named Stephen Hawking. Did you see the movie about Stephen Hawking? When he was 21 years old, he was diagnosed with ALS. And this is a disease that makes it so you can't move your, slowly you lose the movement of your arms and your legs. And then you, every part of your body, even your lungs, slowly starts to lose the ability for your brain to control it. So what it's really a problem is, is a problem of the brain connecting to the body. What a beautiful analogy for the body of Christ. If Jesus Christ is not the head of the church, then we end up atrophied. But then there's another side to this. Stephen Hawking was told that, you know, you have ALS, and he must have thought, this is, this is the end for me. And as things got, got less and less possible for him to do physical things in life, he became more and more isolated in this kind of prison of his mind. But by some miracle of God, Stephen Hawking was, was brought more alive than he'd ever been in his life. He, more, more intelligent, he'd had more expansive thinking in some ways than, than any human being that's ever lived. And I, I love this story of the 1979 Olympic Games. And it's a story, it's a special Olympics actually. Um, and it's the story, it's a, the legend has it that nine people, nine, nine runners in the special Olympics left and they started running down the path. Uh, run track. They ran down the track. I know how this works. I'm a little bit of a sports guy. Uh, so they run down the track, and one of the guys scraped his knee, fell, and started to cry. And the legend says that all nine turned around. But why do we need to make it bigger? It was actually only two. But two of them turned around and, and went up to this guy who was crying because he had, he had scraped his knee. And they helped him up, and they linked arms, and they walked to the finish line together. And as they walked to the finish line, the whole entire stadium erupted in applause. And they stood to their feet and, because they were witnessing a real win. They were witnessing the kind of reality that God would want us to see. The kind of thing that, that helps you see that you always have what it takes to transform the life of a human being. Today, as you came in, you received a letter and it's empty. Did, you, did some of you open it and realize there's nothing in here? They forgot to write me a note. <laughs> Think about someone that you can write this letter to. 
Just as I'm just as pumped about Paul writing his letter to the church in Ephesus as I am about you writing this letter to somebody in your life or someone that, that needs to hear the words of encouragement. God is able to do so much in your life. I am so pumped about your future. I am so thankful for your, the gift of you and who you are. And can you imagine if each one of us does this and shares this kind of gesture or encouragement with the people around us and what a tremendous, tremendous miracle we'll be seeing in this community as people are being lifted up, as they're hearing and experiencing love and as they start to grow and mature and understand and feel the faith and feel the goodness of who Jesus Christ is. Maybe this card, you'll never fill it out and it will just remind you to to, to be activated in your ministry in some way. Whatever it is, you know what your talent is. By the way, the best way to figure out what your greatest strength is is to first answer what your greatest weakness is. It, God, God has an amazing way of flipping them over. Uh, also, uh, if you want to find your greatest weakness, tell me what your greatest strength is. Search for those gifts. Look around the prison cell of your reality and discover that God may be putting you in a place so that you can be part of a divine setup and that you can experience a win like nobody's ever seen before. A come from behind, legendary, overtime, phenomenal experience. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would use our talents, our abilities, as I'm praying, I'd like to ask you to turn your hands upward. This, Lord, we have our hands uh, faced upward toward you so that um, just to offer you our gifts, the things that we do with our hands, the talents that you've given us. And we turn those over to you, but also I, we pray that you, would, that you would fill our hands with good news and goodness that we can share with every single person that we have. We pray, God, that our eyes would be opened to whatever you put in our hands this week, whether it's an empty letter that can be written to a human being or a pen or a pencil. Lord, we pray that you would, you would guide us forward and, and help us be the community that in the third quarter we are not discouraged, but we are more emboldened than ever to come together to circle up to not look at each other's differences and disagree with each other, but to look at the love that we share in common that has drawn us here to this place. A miraculous love that just showers down on us. It's called grace. Grace on grace is how Paul called it. God, we just pray that we would receive that grace, that we wouldn't turn our backs on you anymore, but we would just, just recognize the love that you have for us and the weight of the love that you place down on our hands and our hearts. Pray that we would share that with the world. Pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.